Good morning. Great to be with you today. I took a time off from my own church, who is meeting at this very hour in Oakland, to be with you today. I'm, I'm one of the lay pastors at our church. We have a pastoral team of about seven people, and our lead pastor is on vacation. So our church went to the bench, too. And... Uh, and so uh looks like you guys also have a deep bench here. Good to see you guys. Um, I, I, I'm just delighted to bring a word from Jesus today. I want to talk about Jesus on sustainability, on sustainable living, living the sustainable life. That is a catchword that's been out there for, for some years just in terms of, of environment. Um, it's a good word. It's a, it's a word that really comes from the Bible. We call it, you know, uh, we call it stewardship. Uh, we're going to loan sustainability to the, to the rest of the culture under the heading of stewardship because we believe as believers that when God blesses us with good gifts of relationships, of people, of things, of stuff, that we ought to take care of it and we ought to manage it for His glory. And so that's stewardship. That's sustainability. I want to reframe that just a little bit and talk about living the sustainable life according to Jesus' words. If there's ever a time we need a clear word from Jesus, wouldn't you say it's right now? I, I believe there's, there is a profusion of information out there. There is, there is so, so many sources of knowledge. Uh, there's so many lines of thinking. There's so many ways that we can... Uh, kind of capture different worldviews. And there are competing worldviews. But right now, we need a voice of clarity, a voice of singularity, where we can say, this is true, and I will stake my life on it. Everything else is not sustainable. Do we dare stand up on the Word of God and say that there is one way that leads to life? All the others lead to death. May not be a popular thing to say today, but yet we have to look at God's word and we have to also understand the truth of that statement. And so Jesus does bring bring us the voice of clarity, even when it's unclear. So when we live locally here in Marin County, and one of the things that we do, just like you, we believe in in recycling. But for the life of me, Rhonda, and I can't figure out what goes in the green bucket. We just don't know. And so we read and we look and we look on the containers. And if it's got the little arrows, we throw it in there. And Rhonda says, no, that doesn't go in there. I said, well, the arrows says that it does. Well, Marin County says that it doesn't. And so we're still, we're a work in progress. I'm trying to be sustainable. I'm just uh, not very good at it just yet. But I am committed to that proposition. So there is a lot of confusion out there. But Jesus brings a voice of clarity. As we look at the scripture, the whole Bible is the word of God. The whole Bible is the word of God. But when we look at the red letters, we see that there is some clarity there that, uh, that, that just lets you know these are the direct words as recorded by the authors in God's word. The first sermon or the first words that, that Jesus spoke publicly in the book of Matthew was a very, very short sermon. He said simply this in Matthew chapter 4. He said, repent for the kingdom is near. And so people are kind of wondering, well, what, what does he mean by that? And so he took the opportunity at a later time when the crowds were gathered to expound on that. 
And so we find that sermon recorded in the Sermon on the Mount. In chapters 5, 6, and 7, we see it there. All in red letters, Jesus uh, not only gave a longer message, but he spelled out what does it mean to be a kingdom person? How, how do you live out the gospel? What could this look like, crowds, if you decided to follow after Jesus and Jesus spelled it out? And he said some very stunning things to the ear of the hearer at that time. He said things like this. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother, he says, uh, what about murder? Well, I say, I'm going to redefine that and say, if you're even angry with your brother, he says, you will be subject to the judgment. He also says, what about adultery? Are we keeping those laws? And Jesus says, well, let's, let's not split hairs on this. Let's just generalize this and say that if anybody looks at a woman lustfully, he has committed adultery with her in his heart. So he goes on to talk about what does it look like to live out this kingdom life? In another place, he says, and this was stunning to them because they believed uh, something that didn't quite correspond with this. Those hearers, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies. Love your You think you're doing good in certain areas of your relationships, but I'm going to flip the script. I'm going to say, love your enemies. This didn't set well necessarily with his hearers. They were stunned by what they were hearing. And so he goes through the entire message and just gives practicalities on on how to view the world, how to live life, how to have relationships. And so I want to talk about the scripture where he kind of summarizes it all up. The scripture where he brings it all together in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and following. Where he says, here's what what living like a believer looks like. Here's Here's what a kingdom person looks like. But then he wraps it up and he says, here's what I want you to think about as I finish this sermon. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And then when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Jesus is all about building his kingdom. He's not all about making us happy. He's all about having us align ourselves with his kingdom. In doing that, insofar as we align ourselves with kingdom living and and the person of Jesus Christ, insofar as we do that, we have access to abundant life. He says, I don't want you to think about just the abundant life, but I want you to have life uh, more abundantly, super abundantly, the thief comes to ke- kill, steal, and destroy, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's what he's talking about here. There's a universal desire to have an abundant life, isn't there? People look for abundance. They look for peace. They look for security. We look for just basic things in life that gives us that, that, that give us uh, uh, hope for the future. We want to live what we might consider that sustainable life, that we would have those good things throughout an entire life. And and this is what Jesus was talking about. 
And so I want to focus on sustainable living, as Jesus would define it, as living a meaningful, enduring life aligned with Christ and his word. And so if you are taking notes, that would be one that you'd want to write down. Uh, And I'll say it again, living a meaningful, enduring life in alignment with Christ and his word. That's what he's talking about when he wraps up this, this Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about the, the wise and the foolish builders. My burden is that there are many who don't know Jesus that are never going to find this sustainable life, this abundant life, this super abundant life. Because they're not going to lock into the person and nature of Jesus Christ. They're not going to receive him. My, I also struggle with those who are believers, myself included, who oftentimes get stuck in my own Christian walk, in your own Christian walk, and then fail to really capture what Jesus is talking about when he talks about grace, when he talks about giving, when he talks about uh, uh, giving us above and beyond that which we could actually uh, uh, ask or think. And so sustainable living. Many get stuck along the way. There are many who are maybe even here in this county and throughout the Bay Area who who on the surface looks like everything's okay, financially stable, um, perhaps has a house, or what, whatever, whatever would look like stability in the Bay Area. A lot of people have that. But yet, on the inside, they're stuck. On the inside, they're confused. They're just trying to make it through this life. And so my struggle is that, that, that people would, would try to find the answers and never truly be able to live in the beauty of God's grace. A lot of people try to figure it out. You, you can go find a lot of books and, and find out some good advice. Jesus has good advice, but he has more than that. He has life-giving words. I was looking in the New York Times yesterday, and uh, there was a kind of an interesting article. You know, they, they put all the fluff pieces in on the holiday weekend because, you know, frankly, people would rather be eating hot dogs than, uh, than writing the news. But, but here was one of the pieces. Uh, one of the um, staff there at the New York Times, they asked 800 people to give their response on their best advice. What's your best advice that you would give? What's something that you, a hard-fought lesson that you've learned that you would love to pass on to everybody else? Out of the responses, the editors at the New York Times gave these, and I'll just give a couple of them. They're not bad. Go on. Here's one. Go on as many first dates and as many job interviews as possible in your life. Okay. You might not be in that age demographic, but uh, Hugh Moore, age 39, for him, that was his best, his best advice. Uh, never let anybody tell you what you can and cannot do. I mean, that, everybody has that advice, right? That's everybody's. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. By the way, uh, Amanda Collins said that. And here was my favorite. My favorite was by Michael, age 31, who probably learned this from experience. He says, buy a plunger before you need a plunger. <laughs> there's, there's no shortage of good advice. There's, there's no shortage of, of knowledge that is helpful to us. But what there is a, a desperate need for is to hear from Jesus, not just good advice, but life-giving words. And so today I want, as we look at the scripture, to talk about the sustainable life. A life that's lived out on the foundation of truth as it is defined and revealed by God. Not by our friends, not by what culture says, not by a certain worldview, but 
but a foundation of truth as defined and revealed by God. Jesus said it himself. These are some of those red letters that we really pay attention to. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How audacious is that? Here we are in a time of confusion when we should be so focused in a time of confusion where we have a hard time figuring out whose truth is what. And Jesus dares stand and says in his message, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Who would dare say that today? I am the truth. We might say we know the truth, but Jesus said it. And we base our lives upon that. We stand here today and we we worship together based upon the reality that Jesus is the truth. So I want to offer out of this scripture today, I want to offer three actions describing those who are living out the sustainable life. Those who are staking their life on the gospel. Number one, they listen for the truth. They listen for the truth. They have ears that are attuned to hearing the word of God. They seek the truth. That's number one. Matthew chapter 7. We see in our text today, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. You cannot put something into practice, uh, unless it's by accident, unless you truly hear what it is. You hear the instructions. How open are we to hearing the word of truth and then responding to it? But that would be someone who's living out life for the long term. Someone who has a viable, imperishable life. Not throughout just this lifetime, but through eternity. That's someone who's willing to hear and respond to God's truth. And so the wise man is the one who hears the words of mine, Jesus said. Hears the words of mine. What does the foolish man do? He says, Jesus says, he is one who hears these words of mine. So both Hear the word of Jesus. Does that make sense? Everybody's hearing the word. But I would suggest that it's the one who hears it with attuning his heart to get in alignment with the words of Jesus is the one who can live the sustainable life. The word here comes from the word akuo in the Greek. Akuo, of course, you would uh, naturally associate that root word with acoustics. Acoustics, the reverberation, the, the spoken word of truth that reverberates in our heart. That's what Jesus is saying. And the wise one is the one who would hear and uh, let that word of truth resonate inside his heart. One who listens with a heart to understand and to do. He's the one who listens to these words of mine. It's not just listening to any voice. What are we listening to for? We're listening for truth. I, I love this term that has come out in the past couple of, uh, probably the past three or four years. Uh, well, you, you can't really hold that person accountable to everybody else's truth because they're living out their truth. I'm scratching my head thinking, okay. If everybody's got their own truth that they're living out, no wonder that we are a confused people. If there is not a singular truth upon which we can stake our claim and say, I will live my life based upon what is true and I know what is true because God revealed it, then we're in a world of hurt. Truth. Not my truth. Truth. My truth, can, my truth changes a lot. If you were to ask me what my truth today is, well, you know, how much money do I need? That might affect my truth. Uh, how, how happy am I right now? That might affect how I approach truth. There's, there's a lot of variables on your truth and my truth. Those change all the time. 
And it's not our truth. We've got my truth and we have our truth. And our truth kind of comes in the form of like this. Um, 90, and this is not political at all. I'm just going to say X number of scientists agree that something is true. And by golly, it's got to be true. And you can fill in the blank for whatever that is. And so that truth is truth by consensus. Or it might be that our culture has moved and shifted in a certain area what we believe about life and relationships, perhaps even in the, even in the realm of family relationships. And so if, if enough people kind of kind of figure out what their truth is and we agree together, then the truth will shift over to what the consensus opinion is. And Jesus tells us, wait a minute, I am the truth. You, know, you're tr- you might have some good ideas, But I am the truth. And so God says, I want you to listen to what I say. And so when we look at the scripture here, we see Jesus saying, not just hearing a truth, but hearing what? What does it say? These words of mine. These words of mine. How audacious is Jesus to stand up and say, what I'm saying is the truth. And I would say, we better pay attention to that. What keeps us from hearing God's truth? What keeps us from hearing God's truth? I want to just get to talk about a, a concept called what I would just define as spiritual signal to noise ratio. Signal to noise. Those of you who are in certain industries, that that would be a familiar term to you. Signal to noise. If you're um, if you're in uh, electronics or engineering, that kind of thing. Signal. Signal and noise. The signal is simply the message that you want to hear. The noise is everything else. Signal. Let me give you an example. I go to the restaurant with Rhonda. We go to the wrong restaurant because it's very loud. Rhonda has a very soft-spoken voice because it's really uh, kind of emanates out of her gentle spirit. And try as she might, it's hard for her to speak loud. And so I'm sitting across the table trying to hear Rhonda's voice. But yet, what do I hear? I hear dishes in the background clanking. I hear uh, waiters, waitresses talking. I hear people in the table, and I have a hard time hearing my wife. And and really, because I want to lean in and hear what my wife has to say, because... Every good husband wants to lean in and hear what his wife has to say. But yet, I have a hard time hearing it. Why? I want to hear the signal, Rhonda's voice. But the noise is too loud. And so we leave there and we say, oh, let's go to a coffee shop. Let's go to Starbucks. And then they turn on the coffee grinder and I can't hear a word she says. And finally, after all of this, I haven't heard a word she says. Well, let's... Let's go somewhere else and we can drive home and we can just sit around and we can drink our own coffee at our own home and I can hear your voice. That's an example of signal to noise. The signal can be whatever you determine it to be, something that you think is important that you want to hear, and the noise is everything else. And so I would challenge us as we look and see what God, is, Jesus is saying here, that, that we listen for the truth and that we would hear the signal of the truth of Jesus Christ as he has revealed it to us. How has he revealed it to us? He's revealed it through his word. He's revealed it 
through the brothers and sisters in the Christian community. He reveals it directly to you through the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. And so we should be listening for that signal. There are two ways to hear better. There's two ways to hear better. One is to reduce the noise. (laughs) How much noise is in your life? If you're trying to hear from Jesus, what kinds of noise would you consider to be discretionary clutter in your life? I would say uh, sometimes noise would be just people in your everyday life. You're hearing from a lot of people, uh, voices coming through the internet. We invite those things into our lives and sometimes we have a hard time hearing what Jesus is saying because we're listening to something. We're allowing other noises to come in. I'm the chief of sinners when it comes to that. It's easy because I love information. And when I go, when I go researching on, uh, you know, where bananas grow, I, I'm, I'm going to end up seeing something about alligators in the Amazon. I don't know how I got there, but I got there. And so, so that's my temptation because, and, and that, and alligators are interesting and so are bananas, you know, but, <laughs> but it really could be a clutter in my own life. So I have to pay attention to that. What is the noise in your life? Um, did you know that your own lies can be noise in your life? The lies that you tell yourself that you believe that aren't biblical, that can be a noise in your life. Your own self-deception. Did you know Satan gets a vote? He, he gets a voice. And, and he, he wants to clutter your thinking and, and give, you, give you spiritual self-deception so that you fail to hear or that when you do hear, you ha- fail to heed. Uh, the voice of Jesus. And so there are two ways to hear better. One is to reduce the noise. The other is to increase the signal. Huh? Right? Increase the signal. And so I could increase my wife's signal by giving her a megaphone. Now that would be pretty pretty ridiculous in a restaurant. Um, but it is one way to do it. We want to be able to increase the signal. What is the signal? The signal are the words of Jesus. The signal is the truth of Jesus. The signal is my understanding of who God is as he speaks to me through his Holy Spirit, through his word. The signal could be the voice of of another believer who can speak truth into my life. And so my question for us would be, how hospitable is your heart as a habitat for the truth of God's word? How hospitable is the habitat of your heart? Is your heart and is your mind open to God's truth? Your life is sustainable only to the degree that you welcome God's truth and confront and allow God's truth to confront you and as you conform to God's truth. And so I've I've talked about one action, one action. People who live the sustainable life are people who listen for the truth. And they listen, they hear, and they apply. The second action that they take is they integrate truth into every aspect of their lives. They integrate truth. They not only hear it, but as we read in the book of James, it really doesn't matter just what you hear. The wise man heard the words of Jesus. The fool heard the words of Jesus. What's the difference? One of them built a foundation of integrating the gospel, of applying the gospel 
Integration is just another word for infusing or for, uh, for weaving into, integrating the truth of the gospel into everyday life. You want to live a sustainable life? It's not your truth, it's not our truth, it's God's truth woven through every fabric of my heart. And so that when I make decisions, it's not me having to think about, well, what would God do? I'm already thinking with the mind of Christ because I know Christ. He lives in me. I'm well integrated. The gospel is in me and it lives through me. So this scripture says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Puts them into practice. Everyone who hears and puts into practice is like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. What's the foundation? The foundation, obviously, uh, it, it, we see in other scriptures that Jesus literally is the foundation. Um, in First Peter, we see God says, I lay a foundation, uh, uh, lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone as a foundation. Jesus is the foundation. And so our text today tells us the one who hears these words of Jesus and puts them into practice is the one who builds upon that foundation who is who? It's Jesus. And so uh, the, the more we get locked into that foundation, the stronger and more sustainable our lives can be. Integration is the strength of the foundation. I can know truth, but if I don't do it, I'm not integrated. The foundation is is the integrated life. You strengthen the foundation every time you discern God's word and you act upon it. Let's look at the scripture a little more closely. Let's let's make the comparison as Jesus did. The houses that were built. Let's compare them. The two, two houses were built. Both had the same proximate location in Jesus' story. Both had the the... The same type of house, they're, uh, we're going to assume that they were of equal quality in terms of building. We're going to assume also that, that the purpose of the house was the same for both houses, to bring comfort, protection. And I'm going to also say that these houses probably look delight as you're driving down Miller Avenue and Mill Valley. You look at both houses, well, two new houses. They look the same. They look the same. You might say, as I just learned this term, as, as Rhonda helps me learn about like houses and things, those of you who are builders, a house has bones. Both houses have bones. That means they, were, they look strong from the appearance. But there was only one difference, but that difference was critical, and it was crucial. The key difference was, while they were superficially the same, they were foundationally and fundamentally different. One was sustainable for the long term, and the other, at the first sign of a major storm, crumbled and fell. The difference was not evident to anybody. The difference could not be seen on the surface. And so my challenge for us today as we think about living the sustainable life that Jesus challenges us is to, to think about integrating that life. By, and, and in that life, we have a foundation. Your foundation gets exposed. Did you know that? While that foundation was hidden on the foolish man's house, it got exposed. Do you know what exposed it? Crisis. Crisis will expose your foundation every single time. Not only crisis that is bad, you know what else will expose your foundation? Good times. If you, if you find yourselves with, with a lot of money, everything's going fine in your life, your foundation is also going to show because you're going to have to determine whether you're going to 
live on that foundation or you're going to live on the stability that you've created in your own life. And Jesus wants us to live not on either of those, but live on his foundation. And so I I think about the Golden Gate Bridge on um, July 4th. I I ran across it back and forth because I just I just love dodging tourists. I love doing that. I just it's just something I love to do. In fact, it's it's kind of a workout because you you work out those lateral muscles, right? You cannot run straight down because so many people. It's always fun to see the tourists. I just love to see the way they dress. You know, the ones who have the shorts and the short sleeves, and it's, like, and it's 55 degrees and the wind is blowing, and that's the way it was the other night. But I'm, I'm running. I'm running across it, and I love the bridge. I love to think. I love. To, I've got. A, I've got a schematic drawing in my living room of the Golden Gate Bridge because I think it's so interesting. And, and, I, and, I, and I read about it, and I, I realize that, that the foundation that was built on the, for the Golden Gate Bridge, it took them two and a half years just to build the foundation, the, the foundation for the South Tower and the North Tower and to build the anchors. And before, before there was any deck, before there was any tower, before there was any cable, before there was anybody that could cross it, they took two and a half years to build both the foundations and the anchors for the cables on either end. Today it would take two and a half years just to pass a motion. <laughs> but two and a half years, it's kind of a long time back then, but it was really a short time. But my, my point is, as I'm running across the bridge, you know what, I, I pay zero, literally zero attention to the foundation. I don't look at the anchorage. When I take pictures, you know, I you, you can't even see the foundation because it's in the bedrock, on the, uh, at least on the south tower, under the water. The north tower is built right into the solid, the, the rock that is, uh, that is not in, underwater. But my, my challenge for us is to, is, is to live a life that is, that is, live a life that is seen, that is really a well-lived life based upon the life that is unseen. Because what is unseen really matters more. Without that foundation. And Jesus is making, he's illustrating this. He said, I, I've preached a pretty good sermon to you. He said, I gave you my best. I, I've told you some pretty cool stuff. But he says, here's what I want you to know is, the man who builds his house on the rock, he's the one who's going to live the sustainable life. When the crisis comes, there's going to be one house standing. When we live our lives, I want to challenge us today to live our lives on that very same rock. That's number two. The first action that people take who live the sustainable life is they, they seek God's truth. Second is they integrate truth in every aspect of their life. And the third is they adopt the long view. The long view. They don't just live the life for today, but they pay the price today to have a solid foundation for tomorrow. Um, it, this, this story that Jesus told was also recorded by Luke. And, and in Luke um, chapter 6, the story is almost verbatim, but there's one key difference. Uh, the, in Luke chapter 6, the author says that the wise man, he dug down and he built his house upon the rock. It's, it talked about him digging. He paid the price. And when he looked at his engineering bill... Boy, was he mad. Because it took a lot of time and a lot of money to build that foundation, to dig deep and get it engineered 
right? When you engineer something, I love engineers. They're worth every penny. (laughs) But I'm just saying it does cost a lot. And so he paid that price. He adopted the long view. Your view of the gospel determines the the sustainability of your life over time. Your view of the gospel. If Jesus is just a nobody to you, if you don't even pay attention to him, then, then your life is not sustainable. If, if the Jesus that you know is the one you hear about making made fun of on TV and the late night comedies, he's not sustainable to you. I want you to know Jesus. I don't want you to just live a better life. I want you to live a kingdom life, an eternal life, so that when we go through this life, however long or short it might be, that we would have the hope and we would have the certainty of life in heaven with Jesus. That's the long view. But Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The gospel is the central uh, organizing reality of people's lives who live a sustainable life. And so if you're here today and you, you, you might have heard this message, it sounds, pretty, it sounds pretty interesting, but you've never made a faith commitment to Jesus. I would just urge you today, don't leave on this July 7th without making a faith commitment to Jesus. Believe what he said when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Believe what he said when every other noise, every other truth, my truth, your truth, our truth, all those truths are not sustainable for this lifetime or the next. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. He wants to walk with you. Life isn't about making you comfortable. It's about glorifying Jesus. And so that, that's the truth. That's the reality that I would just invite you to. The gospel is the central organizing reality of people who follow Jesus. The gospel is not an add-on. It's not one area of, well, I've got, my, I've got my work life, I've got my family life, then I have my gospel life. No, gospel is the foundation that holds up everything else. And the book of Matthew says it this way. It says, like the wise man who built his house upon the rock, built his house upon the rock, he took the extra time to uh, build on the, the, uh, the word of truth that only comes from Jesus Christ. So let me, let, me, let me bring this home. Let me bring this home. I would just ask you a couple of questions. One would be, what one action could you identify in your life right now? What one action do you need to take to reduce the noise in your life? What one action can you take? What can you turn off? What can you turn on? What relationship do you need to ditch? What, what one habit do you need to get rid of? And I would just say, let's, let's not make this really complicated. If you're a believer, there's probably one. I could probably list a dozen for me. And, and I, I, I try to reflect on those and keep, keep the noise out of my life. I know there's some, some work I need to do on that. I would say, what's the work you need to do? I would suggest you write that down or you put it in your mind and you go home, talk with your family, your husband, your wife, your, your, your parents, your kids. You talk about what that one thing you need to do. Uh, this is one thing I'm contemplating. My phone, it's, it's a great tool, but it also can be a distraction. And so there was a period of time when I took my phone, when I came into the house, I had a box for it by the door. I put the phone by the door. And I didn't really look at it. And, uh, and did that for a while until I felt I really needed it with me every moment of every day. And so now I've got it with me every moment. So 
I'm thinking about going right back, putting it in this little box and letting it have its place so it's not throwing distractions at me. My next question would be, what one action do you need to take in order to increase the signal in your life? What do you need to do to hear from Jesus? Are you exposing your heart to the truth of God's word? What does that look like? Are you reading his word? Are you dedicated, are you committed to reflecting on his word, writing about it, living by it, integrating it? And so I think this is a great day for all of us to make that faith commitment, to recognize if we're going to live the sustainable life, Christian, this is a message for you, for you. Because we all need to be more well integrated, and only Jesus can do that by faith, through his grace. And we, we need to give him permission to every aspect of our heart. Is your heart a hospitable place for Jesus to live and to do his work? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good word. Thank you that it speaks clearly to us. And Father, we commit ourselves to you as a group of believers here on, on July 7th, Father, who've come to hear a word from you. May this word land on every person's heart at a very point of his or her need. Father, we love you. We see you as truth. You are truth. You've revealed yourself as truth. Father, we want to worship you and to lay our lives at your feet and say, Father, be merciful to me, a sinner. Father, I want you to take not just part of me, but all of me as I live my life for you by your grace and through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.